some presence in this place tonight. Uh, it's just so wonderful to get with people who have such a, a heart for the kingdom. When uh, Pastor was receiving the offering tonight and he was saying some things, I got so excited and I turned and I said, that's kingdom. Uh, he has such a, a, a kingdom heart. And that's really what God's doing today, isn't he? And so it's wonderful to be with people that understand that we're part of a mighty kingdom that God is raising up, that it is advancing. One of the joys that I have, well, sometimes it's a joy, sometimes I'm not sure, but uh, I have the opportunity to travel to the nations of the world. And to see what God's doing in so many of these nations is just an awesome, awesome thing. For the last number of years, I've been to Indonesia once or twice a year. That's the largest Muslim nation in the world. Now, Indonesia, although it's, called, it's considered the largest nation in the world, I want you to know the church is growing so fast that the leadership of that nation does not know what to do with it. In fact, uh, several years ago, maybe three or four years ago, while I was there, I had the opportunity to minister to the first Christian political party in that nation. Among that political party was a man who was running for president. He's a doctor. Uh, He and his wife have what they call a healing camp where people can go for emotional uh, healing. Uh, The radicals came in. They dismembered their staff. They burned the buildings. They found the bomb set to go off to kill this man. But he's still alive today. And God used him in a powerful way. They now have, he told me uh, in in one of my recent visits, they now have five Christian governors in the nation of Indonesia. Up until a few years ago, the government used to take a a religious census every year. And they did this because they wanted the world to know that they were the largest Muslim nation in the world. Well, Christianity has been growing so fast in that nation, they can't stop it. And they figure right now a minimum of 30% of that nation is Christian. 30%. That's awesome. Awesome. And it's probably more than that, but a lot of people don't uh, let that be known because it's very dangerous there. And so, because it's growing so fast, the government stopped taking the religious census because they don't want the world to know how fast Christianity is growing in that nation. Now, is that victory or what? Let's thank the Lord for doing that. So God's doing some awesome things. And so many times people say, well, Barbara, I don't see him doing it in my city. I don't see him doing it in my neighborhood. Well, I want to say to you, open your eyes. Because God is moving in this hour. And you and I are part of a kingdom that will know no end. We are on the winning side. We are part of this mighty thing that God is doing in the earth. And so tonight we're going to talk about the anointing for breakthrough. Because I believe we stand on the brink of such a mighty breakthrough. How many of you are like me and would say tonight, this has been the most difficult year of my life? Is there anybody besides me that would say that? Okay, all right, I'm talking to the right group. Uh, 
because 2007 has been a very difficult year for so many people. We've seen God in the midst of it. And yet, we know that we are in a war. We're in a battle. And so, God is bringing us through. And I believe that we're standing at the brink of such a mighty breakthrough that God is, is bringing to His people, bringing to His church. And so, uh, in spite of all of the difficult places that we've walked through, how many of you know we can always find God in the midst of it? And so, this has been one of those years for us. I was uh, sharing with Virginia as we were driving from the airport today. And we were talking about uh, just things in general. And uh, she was asking me, because this was a year we had two grandbabies born within uh, 48 hours of each other. And the first one was diagnosed with Downs. And the second one lived for seven and a half weeks uh, with, you know, miracle after miracle after miracle. And then right at the end, things turned and we lost her. But in the midst of all of that, we had to say, God, you are in this. We don't understand all of this. We don't believe God caused all of this. But we know that God is in the midst of everything because he said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And we learned what it was to hold on to the Lord when there was nothing else in the natural to hold on to. And so I believe that this has been a year that God has been strengthening his people, that regardless of how difficult it's been, nothing is wasted with the Lord. You see, when we belong to God, nothing in our life is wasted. He will take Uh, the very worst situation. He will take the hardest place that we walk through and use it to cause us to build spiritual muscles so that we're able to move forward. So tonight, I want us to, to look then at the anointing for breakthrough. And we're going to look at David. I love the life of David. He's just an awesome man of God and we can see so many things in his life that I believe God is wanting to say to us tonight. I want us to see that, um, that we, we, uh, in, in looking at this anointing for breakthrough, that you and I have been in a time of preparation. Like I say, all of the difficult things, all of the hard places that we've been through has been to prepare us for this mighty breakthrough that God is bringing us into. And, and that's the thing that we have to so keep in front of us at all times. That the Lord has not left us. He has not forsaken us. Doesn't mean that he causes everything. See, there's some people that believe that everything that happens has been caused by God. But I want to say to you, when we have uh, small children who are victims of rape and, and, and abuse. And when we have uh, women that we hear about on the news constantly being killed and we see uh, so, so many things and uh, young men whose minds have been blown with drugs and alcohol, I want to say to you that is not the will of God. But in spite of it, God will take everything in our life and he will turn it and use it for good when we love God and we're called according to his purpose. And so you and I have been in a time, I believe God has been preparing us for this great breakthrough that he has for us. And we look at the life of David and we see uh, he 
was living at a time when God was transitioning a people from an old religious order into a new. And that's really where you and I are today. So many times people say, well, I don't know about this apostolic, this prophetic thing. I mean, why can't we just do church the way we've always done church? Uh, But how many of you know God is not a God who stands still? See, I I don't have time to go back and teach on uh, church history, but if we can understand God's plan in the earth and understand that we are in days of restoration and revelation when God is restoring so much that had been lost. Because it's very easy to look into the New Testament, to look at the book of Acts, and see the way church operated in the book of Acts. And we look at most churches today, and we see there is such a void, there's such a a, a difference, a gap between the two. And so God is restoring, and he's restoring apostles and prophets to his church, not just so they can have a title, not just so they can get new business cards or letterhead, but it is so that they can function. Everyone say function. See, if we, don't, if, if, uh, if, if we do not allow a person to function in the gifting that God has for them, then the gift uh, doesn't make a difference. So you can have apostles among you, you can have prophets among you, but if we do not allow them to exercise the gift that God's given them, then we do not benefit from those gifts. So we see then that uh, we're, we're in a time when God is transitioning his people from an old religious order to a new. And we see uh, in the life of David a similar situation was taking place. We see God had raised up a prophet by the name of Samuel. And Samuel stood between two moves of God. He was what we call a transition prophet. He stood between an old move of God and a fresh new move of God. And uh, he was, uh, God raised him up to release this fresh new anointing for the new season. And God is so wonderful the way he does that. When God is ready to bring in a fresh new move of God, how he will raise up those to release that anointing that is needed to help us to move into that new season. You see, prophets... Uh, arise in times of major intersections in history. When God is bringing us to an intersection in history and he's ready to move us into a new place, God will always raise up prophets and prophetic voices in the earth to declare the new thing that God is doing. And you can go back through the Bible, you can go all the way back through it, and you will see this is always the case. That when God's ready for something fresh and new for the church, he will always raise up the prophetic voices to begin to prophesy and to declare the fresh new thing that God is doing. We see here was young uh, David who was just a a, a shepherd. Uh, He was the youngest son of Jesse and he was the most unlikely. Have you ever noticed that the Lord just seems to delight and picking the least likely people to do what he wants done. Have you ever noticed that? You know, we tend to think that, uh, that God picks superstars and he picks superhuman beings to do his work. But if you go back and look at so many of the people that God raises up, they are the least likely. 
I tell people all the time, God, I'm the least likely person to do what you have me to do. Some of you know my testimony. I tell people I was one of the most timid, shy, bashful, introverted people you ever met in your entire life. Absolutely couldn't speak to three people without my voice closing off. Could not do it. And tried to argue my way out of it. Tried to convince God that he needed someone else. Gave him addresses, phone numbers, uh, whatever I could do. Tried to bargain with him. Lord, I'll set up uh, chairs. I'll vacuum the floor. I'll do anything if you won't ask me to do that. But God didn't listen to me. How many of you know he's more stubborn than you are? So I don't know why we kick against the pricks. I don't know why we argue with him. I don't know why we give him all the excuses because he's going to keep on until we do what he has called us to do. And then one of the wonderful things is he is not out to make us miserable. Tell your neighbor God doesn't want you to be miserable. See, he's not calling you to be part of this to make you miserable. He knows that if you ever get into the will and the destiny that God has for you, that's going to be the most exciting, satisfying place that you could ever be. Today, I want you to know I love doing what I'm doing. Give me three days at home, and I'm saying, Dale, there's a plane going up there. I need to be on it going someplace. And uh, so he knows what we need and what will make us happy more than we know. Do you say, well, life must just be wonderful? No, no, no. Uh, It doesn't mean life is wonderful. It means God is wonderful. And so other people say, I don't know how you do what you do. I don't know either. It's just the grace of God. I don't know how you do what you do. How many of you know God gives us grace to do what he's called us to do? And so he graces us to be able to fulfill our destiny. So we see here was young Jesse. Here was the least likely of all the sons of Jesse. He was just a little shepherd boy sitting out there taking care of smelly sheep. Now some of you pastors know what I'm talking about. You know, just taking care of the sheep out there. But we see that David had a lifestyle of worship. He was a person who worshipped the Lord. And I want to say that Worship, worship causes us to connect with God in a way that nothing else does. And when we're in that place of worship, God opens our spirit to be able to hear from the Lord, to be able to communicate with Him. It's in worship that we get healed and we get restored. You see, all of the fears and all of the the things that I had that were such strongholds in my life, it was in the midst of worship that all of that left. I don't know how God did that. All I know is I just fell in love with Jesus. You see, when I came into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want you to know something truly supernatural happened in my life. I had been in church all my life. Um, I, I know when I was born again, wasn't quite as young as pastor, but I, you know, I know when I was born again. And, uh, and, and that was an awesome experience. But nothing could compare to what happened when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And for the first time in my life, I knew that God 
was a God who was not just sitting on a throne in heaven, but he was right here with me. And I could commune with him and I could hear his voice. You see, I've been told that God doesn't talk today. I tell people I really don't know when God lost his voice. But that's what they told me, that God does not talk today. And uh, so I never expected God to speak to me. But once I came into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, something opened up, a, a communication opened up, my spirit opened up, and I could hear the Lord. And in the midst of worship, the fears, the, the inadequacies, all of the things that had limited me and kept me in a, a limited place all of my life started disappearing. I don't know when they left. I don't know how that happened. All I know is suddenly I didn't think the same way that I thought before. I didn't act the same way. Now, there are a lot of people today who would like to put me back into bondage. They would like to put me back into that limited place. But I've decided I like freedom better. Do you know what I'm talking about? And, and so, uh, in, in worship, that lifestyle of worship, uh, and, and I don't mean you even have to go around singing 48 hours a day. But what I am saying is when there's a heart of worship toward the Lord day and night, and we realize he is with us wherever we go, then God can begin to direct our paths and have us where we need to be. And so it was with young David. And you see, David was prepared for his destiny. He was prepared for what God had for him because he had learned warfare as he battled the lion and the bear. Now, some of you have battled lions and bears. Oh, they may have had a different face on them. They may not have had the same sound as a a, a physical lion and bear. But you've been in some battles. And the, the enemy thought that he could stop you. But I want to say something to you tonight. Look at you. Look at you. You've, you've had every devil in hell assigned to you, and you're still here. You didn't kill yourself or kill somebody else. Well, some of you may have killed somebody else, but you didn't kill yourself. And you're still here, and you still love God. You're not full of resentment and bitterness and all of those things. And no matter what you went through, somehow you were able to find God. And you went through the battle with the lion and you went through the battle with the bear. And you didn't understand it at the time. You could, here you were trying to serve God, trying to live the right kind of life. All these things started happening. And yet look at you today. You pressed on through. You didn't go around hating God and bitter and resentful, but you held on to the Lord and you knew that somehow that was your only hope and your only way of making it through. And you didn't understand that God was preparing you for your destiny. You didn't understand that you were going to be one that would carry such an anointing for breakthrough that nothing that the enemy could throw at you would stop you in the days ahead. You were being prepared for the hour that you're living in now. Oh, I don't know about you, but I like that. So we've been being prepared for this time that God has us in. And so I want us to see that here was young David. And I want us to see 
that first anointing that he went through. Because you see, David was anointed three times. And in that first anointing that David uh, received, a seed of destiny was planted in his life. Something was put on the inside of David that caused David to know that he was not born for, for the, uh, the ordinary, but that somehow God had something extraordinary for him. I want you to tell your neighbor tonight, God has something extraordinary for you. Isn't that good news? He has something extraordinary for you. You're not, you're, you were not created for the mundane and for the ordinary. If you were, you wouldn't be in a meeting like this. You'd be some other place. But it's because there's something, there's a seed of destiny that God has put on the inside of you. And so we see in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 13, it says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil, and he anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forth. You see, something was put in him in that first anointing. And some of you have had a seed of destiny put in you. It may have been a prophetic word that was released over you. It may have been uh, hands that were laid on you. It may have been a a, a healing. It may have been the Lord coming and uh, speaking a rhema word to you. Whatever it was, you can look back and you can say, somehow in my past there was a time when there was a seed of destiny put on the inside of me. Sometimes you can't point to a particular thing. It's just that there's a knowing on the inside of you that you were not created just to breathe in, breathe out, and try to get out of here. That somehow you were created for greatness. You were created for destiny. Oh, you may not have it all figured out in your head, You don't know exactly what that means. But somehow you know that if you'll just keep walking with God, that whatever this thing is on the inside, it will eventually be able to come forth and be able to get you where God wants you to be. And so it was with young David. Here was the prophet Samuel pouring oil over him right in the midst of his brothers. And so I want us to see David from that point on somehow must have known that he was called and he was chosen for kingdom exploits. And I want to say to you tonight, each of you in this room, it does not matter your age, it does not matter your gender, you you were called and chosen for kingdom exploits. You see, God did not make you as an accident. I want to say to you, God is far too grand and far too glorious and far too marvelous to waste his time creating accidents, creating mistakes. The circumstances of your birth may have been all wrong, but you see, God is the giver of life. And he knew exactly when you needed to come into this earth. And he has a plan and he has a destiny for you. And you see, God has set us on a path to be sure that we arrive at the destiny that he has for us. 
I want us to see that here was young David who had the heart of a servant. There was something about him. He just wanted to help. He just wanted to serve. And so we see how that heart of the servant called him to serve King Saul. Some of you have served in, in days past. You've served ministries. You've served uh, churches. You've served religious structures. And we see here was young David, and he, he served an old religious structure. Uh, but, but he had that heart uh, of a servant. And God tells us that when we are faithful in small things, it is then that God puts us in charge of much. And some of you have been so faithful. And some of you feel like, well, what I do is so insignificant. That that I'm doing is so small, it couldn't possibly make a difference. But I want to say to you tonight that the Lord notices every deed of kindness that you have done. And the Lord is the one who keeps record of all of that. And He tells us and promises us that when we have the heart of a servant, and we will be faithful even in the small things, God will put us in charge of much. You see, those who are great in the kingdom of God are great because it is the result of serving. Now notice I didn't say those who have a big name or those who have a big ministry or those who have big TV programs or or whatever we use to judge greatness by. Because you see, God looks at... Uh, things different than the way we do. And what God calls greatness is different from the way we judge greatness many times. But I want us to see that those who have the heart of a servant, God says you're going to be great in the kingdom of God. And you see, if we really have the heart of a servant, I want to say to you, a, a servant is not one who will abuse. They will not abuse in the marketplace. In other words, we don't, we don't abuse those who work for us, with us, or who we work for. Uh, we do not abuse if we have the heart of a servant. I want to also say to you that in our homes, and this is, this is a very critical area today, that if we have the heart of a servant, we will not abuse in our home. We will not abuse our spouse. We will not abuse our children. We will not abuse. You see, domestic violence and some of those things are major issues. I wish I could say that it's only for those who are not born-again Christians, those who are not part of the church. But the sad thing is, this is not so. You see, because we don't understand the heart of a servant. And we don't understand that if we're going to be great in the kingdom of God, that we are to be those who serve one another. I want to say to you that if we're going to be great in the kingdom of God, we're not going to abuse society. We're not going to abuse our our cities. We're not going to abuse our communities. And so, see, what God is doing is He's putting the heart of a servant in His people so that we can serve our city. So This is why a lot of times people don't understand the apostolic. They don't understand apostles. And they don't understand why that this apostle can't just be concerned about people inside church walls. 
And, you know, when I travel, I, I'm, I'm in these churches all the time, and I hear the same story over and over and over. And so many times we find those who are wanting pastor just to stay inside church walls and take care of his own flock. But I want to say to you, an apostle cannot do that because that's not what they're made of. There's something in them. They love you, but they love you enough that they'll get out there and fight every devil from hell to make sure that your family doesn't have to go through what the previous generation has gone through. See, they love you enough that they'll get out there and say, poverty is not going to stay in this city on my watch. They'll get out there and they'll say sickness and disease and crime and all of those things will not stay in this city on my watch. They love you enough to say poverty is not going to hold you bound the way it's held all the previous generations bound and I love you enough that I'm going to get out there and deal with it. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? So we see then that God is raising up those today with the heart of a servant. And they're going to serve one another. Uh, And uh, I want to say that serving will also involve mentoring under leadership. Now, mentoring is something that that we're really uh, sounding the sound, if you will, right now to, to help people see that we must be mentoring the next generation. We must be mentoring those that God is raising up. So many times what happens is that there's a leader in a church or in a ministry and maybe that leader is very successful. And then for one reason or another, whether it's sickness, retirement, the the person moves, all kinds of things happen. And then they're out of the picture and the entire church or the entire ministry dies because there's no one that has been raised up to take that place. And so one of the things that some of us are doing is we're gathering together those that God has given us and we're strategically mentoring them to help them to rise up to become the men and women of God that the Lord purposed for them to be so that instead of just having one apostle, we can have many apostles. How many of you know apostles birth apostles? So it's not about having one apostle. It's about an apostle raising up little apostles, if you will, training and equipping them. It's about prophets raising up other prophets, training and equipping them. So we must be a people who have the heart to mentor others and raise them up to become what God has called them to be. Uh, I tell people all the time, get close to the anointing because there again, there's an impartation that takes place and God's looking for a people so that they can get around the anointing, that they can be mentored and they can rise up so that the kingdom of God can advance. You see, we must have this in place if the kingdom of God is going to advance in this hour. Now we look at young David So here was David, and he had a seed of destiny put on the inside of him. Anointing oil had been poured over him. He understood that he was destined for kingdom exploits. And yet, along comes Goliath. 
Now, aren't we surprised? Sometimes what happens to us, we come into meetings like this, we get this awesome prophetic word, uh, somebody lays hands on us, I mean, we get the Holy Ghost shakes or whatever, uh, we're just excited, I mean, you know, gold dust could fall on us, I mean, all kinds of things happen, and we just know God has something great for us, until Monday morning, and come Monday morning, it seems that the great big devil Goliath himself is standing in our face. How many of you have noticed that? I want us to see that Goliath has come to challenge the anointing in your life. So many times we say, well, what did I do wrong? Surely I must have done something wrong, otherwise this wouldn't be happening to me. But I want us to see that the enemy comes to challenge the anointing. Because you see, when that prophetic word was spoken over you, when, when hands were laid on you and there was prophecy and declaration that went over you about your destiny and what God has for you, not only did God hear it, not only did the angels of heaven hear it, but I want you to know the enemy himself heard it. And he is out to try to stop you from reaching your destiny. He doesn't want a church to reach her destiny. He doesn't want a people to reach their destiny. Because once we discover who we really are and what we are about, I want you to know the enemy's days are over. So Goliath comes to challenge the anointing. And you see, we said earlier that you had faced the lion and the bear. And that lion and bear were just preparation for Goliath. So tell your neighbor you've been prepared for Goliath. So the lion and the bear gave us spiritual muscle so that we would not cave in and we would not be defeated when Goliath showed up. And so we've been prepared for the challenge and for the battle that we are in today. And so we see then young David faces Goliath and that Goliath then has come to resist the destiny of this man uh, of, of God. So what does David do? Does he say, oh me, I I, I knew I was the least likely. I knew that I couldn't do this thing. God, you picked the wrong person for this. I can't handle this battle that I'm in. I want us to see David didn't do that. David stands in the face of this uh, giant, in the face of the enemy, and he says, is there not a cause? And I believe God has a people today that are rising up. And I believe there's something on the inside of them because they understand they're part of this ever-increasing kingdom. They're part of a kingdom that God said will never end. And so when the enemy comes and every false religion and all of the things that come to try to stop us from accomplishing what God has called us to do, I believe God has a kingdom people in this hour and there's something on the inside of them that's going to rise up and they're going to say, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause in Oklahoma? Is there not a cause in Woodard? Is there not a cause in this area of the United States? 
God must have a people in this hour. If we're going to advance the kingdom, if we're going to cause God's kingdom to move forth in our generation, He must have a people in this hour that will rise up in the face of every Goliath that shows its ugly head, every place of resistance. There must be a people that understand the greater one is on the inside of them. And they rise up and in the face of the giant, they say, is there not a cause? God must have that kind of people in this area. Whoa. This is a year when every fear that is in us must be replaced with courage. Every fear that comes to say, you tried this before and it didn't work. Every fear that comes to challenge pastors and leaders in this region that said, don't you know other people a lot stronger and smarter and more spiritual than you are have tried that in this region and none of them have been able to succeed and will try to shut you down, to intimidate you. I want to say to you today, this is a time where we cannot give in to fears from the past. We must be a people of great courage if we're going to see God's kingdom advance in this area. The Bible says that David was anointed among his own brothers. I love that statement. Because you see what that says to us is that many times those who are close to you do not see the anointing God has put on your life. Have you noticed that? Those that are so familiar with you do not see what God has done in your life. Do not see the great fresh anointing that God has poured out on you. In fact, so many times they want to keep you in an old place. They want to keep you doing what you've always done. But how many of you know in this new season, you can't just do what you've always done? There's something on the inside of you that must break out of the old place, must break out of the familiar, and must be willing to step forward into the future when we can't see what's in front of us. We don't understand. I tell the people that work for me all the time, I say to them, if you think that we're going to get to a place where we'll just get through whatever we're getting through, And then we're going to just settle down and be normal. I say to them, you're working for the wrong ministry. We'll never settle down. We'll never be normal. I had a pastor one time tell me, Barbara, you don't even know what normal is. We'll never be normal. We're always going to be looking to see what God has over the next mountain. Because God is a God of progression and His kingdom is always advancing and He must have a people who will move when He moves. See, that's, that's what happened in the Old Testament. Uh, if you remember the story with the trumpets and they had to learn the sound of the trumpets which speaks to us of the prophetic because certain sounds meant arise and move forward. And if the people said, well, you know, I really do like it here. I think I'll just stay where I am. This is not a convenient time for me. Uh, You know, once I get my kids out of school, once I get my bills paid off, whatever, then I'll move with God. How many of you know, had they done that, God would have moved on and they would have been left in that desert 
uh, with the heat by day and the cold of the desert by night. So God must have a people who understand the sound of the trumpet. And when God says, arise and move forward, there must be a people that says, yes, God, I will do that. And God always picks the least likely. We've said that before. Look at the life of Esther. Esther could have said, I'm an orphan. I didn't have the right family background. I didn't have the right kind of parents. In fact, I had no parents. I didn't have the finances. I didn't have the education. She could have used a lot of excuses on why she couldn't do what God had called her to do. Same thing with Ruth. Ruth was called to leave the familiar, to leave uh, the, the family and the culture that she had known all of her life and go to a place that was unfamiliar. You look at Paul. Paul was one who was raised up, educated in in the the Jewish uh, education, knew all of the the Jewish laws, and yet he was called to the Gentiles. In fact, he was one out trying to kill the Christians. And God takes him, and he has that powerful encounter with the Lord. Uh, You look at the disciples. Uh, so, so many of those disciples were people that were the least likely, and yet we read uh, uh, generation after generation in the Bible tells the story of them and the mighty things that God did to them. And so we cannot allow uh, people to keep us in an old place doing old things. I want us to see today that this is a time where there are those that will try to hold you back and keep you in that old place. You see, they love being around you. They like the anointing on your life. They like the fact that when you pray for them, they get healed or they feel the presence of the Lord. They love all of those things. The problem is they don't want to go where you are going. See, they, don't, they just like the perks, but they don't want to go where you're going. And this is a time when we must ask the Lord to connect us with those who are going where we are going. We deal with the insecurities, intimidations, limitations, jealous spirits. Because you see, once you start moving in the anointing that God has for you, you can be sure jealous spirits are going to get around you. They're not, they're going, and they're going to be jealous of the anointing but they don't want to pay the price that you paid to go where God is taking you. And so we see here with young David, and we see the the jealousy with with Saul because of the anointing that was in his life. And so he had had a seed of destiny put in his life, but I also want us to see that that seed came to a place of death. And sometimes in our life, this is what happens to us. We've had a prophetic word. We've had an anointing. We've had uh, God do some awesome things in our life. And then some things happen, and it seems that there's the death to that that we thought God had said to us. Uh, Death to the seed uh, that, that was planted in our life. And so we find in 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 1, it says, So David departed from there. And he escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard of it, they went down there to him. So we see then, here was David who had had this awesome encounter, this, the prophet 
the transition prophet Samuel had come and had anointed him. And God had said, this is the one that I have chosen. And yet here was David, the the man of God, and he finds himself in the greatest hour of unpopularity because there was a death to the seed of destiny that was put on the inside of him. He finds himself in a place of darkness, in a place of obscurity and confusion. I don't know how many of you can relate to what I'm talking about, but you've had prophetic words. You've known God had something for you. And yet there comes a place in life where you say, God, what was that all about? Because you find yourself in that place of darkness. You find yourself in that place where you say, well, there's no way that God can do what He said He will do to me. Sometimes you feel like you failed God. You failed, uh, and, and, and therefore, surely you must have canceled God's plan for your life. But I want to say to you tonight that God is still preparing us. And so many times when we're in our darkest hour, when we're in a place where it seems there's no way God can do what He said He will do with us. God is still on His throne. And we have to discover that God's great generals that He raises up in His kingdom usually find themselves in some mysterious places. Places they can't figure out, how did I ever get into this place? Will I ever get out of it? Is this the end? Surely I've missed my finest hour. Surely I've missed the best that God has for me. You look at Joseph. Here was Joseph with a powerful prophetic dream from God. And yet he finds himself in a prison. And in the natural, it seems there's no way that God can do what he said he would do in Joseph's life. Uh, We look at uh, Abraham. And here God had promised Abraham about all the descendants that would uh, come from him. And yet we find Abraham's descendants down in Egypt and, and they're making brick and then eventually making brick with no straw. We look at uh, a man by the name of Daniel. This young man called of God, loved God with his whole heart. And yet we find him in the lion's den. It was not because there was sin in his life, but it was because uh, there was sin in the earth. I want us to see tonight that sometimes we're just in an environment, if you will. We're just in a time in history where there's some things that are not God's best that are going on. And so here was Daniel, uh, called of God, and yet he found himself in a lion's den. I want us to see here was David. And David was in his darkest hour. David was in a place of obscurity and a place of darkness. But I want us to see that cave of Adullam became a place of prayer. You see, when we find ourselves in the darkest hour, when we find ourselves in in, in a place where it seems there's no way out, I want us to see that can be our place of prayer. I love what uh, C.H. Spurgeon said. He said, had David prayed as much in his palace as he did in his cave, he might never have fallen into the act which brought such misery upon his latter days. So, see, when, when he was in his palace, when everything seemed great, 
Somehow prayer wasn't so important. But when he's in that dark cave, and some of you that raised your hands and said, this has been the most difficult year of my life, many of you found that in the darkest hour, it was only prayer that brought you through. It was only prayer that caused you to hold on to God and move forward. Because you see, in those times, we learned that only God is the one who can help us. That the world does not have answers for us. Only God does. And so here was David, this man who was created for destiny. And he was at the hour of his unpopularity. You see, in those times, there are hidden things that begin to surface. Have you noticed that? We say things, things come out of our mouth, things, uh, thoughts come in our mind that we never thought we would have. But in that dark hour, those things began to surface. I want to say to you that in your darkest hour, in those difficult places, that only those who are truly committed to you will stand by you during those times. Some of you have noticed that. Only those that have a true commitment to you. Because you see when, when your, maybe your position changes, uh, maybe your finances changes, whatever it is that changes in your life and you find yourself in that place, only those that have hearts knitted to you will not change their affections. Those that will stand with you in, during those times. You see, David was a man who was disgraced by the cave but he was not disgraced by those who loved him. You see, the circumstances can change. But in those times, God will let you see those that really are committed to you. This is a year when you and I are going to know those who have hearts that are knitted to us. In these difficult days, we're going to find out those who have hearts that are knitted to us. We'll know who the real friends are and those who are willing to walk with you. You see, just because a person comes and tells you how committed they are to you, you find out the level of commitment when you walk through those hard places. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Only those whose hearts are really committed to you will stand with you in those times. And therefore, this is a year we must get rightly aligned. We must get ourselves aligned properly with those that are going to stand with us, those who are not going to desert us in those difficult times. Uh, this, this is a time God is joining hearts and lives together for kingdom purposes. It's amazing the number of people that are just out there floating around and do not have the alignment in place in their lives so that in those hard times that they can hold each other up. And... and uh, I'm discovering more and more people are sometimes are afraid to get themselves rightly aligned because sometimes they've been hurt and disappointed in the past. But you see, God's going to let us know the hearts of those that we can trust. He's going to let us know the hearts of those that will stand with us in those difficult days because none of us can make it alone. I tell our people all the time, that no one gets into their destiny alone. No one gets to their destiny alone. It takes other people. And therefore, we must find the people that God has connected us with by 
a heart and spirit that he has put us together because if we're going to advance the kingdom, God must have a people who are connected by the heart, who trust one another and believe in one another so that when hard things come along and we hear things, we don't receive everything that falls into our ears. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? That we don't let our ears become garbage cans to receive everything that's floating out there, but that we know the heart of one another and we know those that we can trust and we know those that will stand with us in those times. You see, when David went into that hard place, when he went into that cave, there were only about 400 that went with him. And you've heard the story, the type of people that gathered to David were those that were in distress, they were in debt, they were discontented. I don't know if they have any people like that in this city or not. Probably not. Uh, There's probably nobody in any of the churches in this city that are like that. But in David's day, uh, there uh, there were 400 of them. And they gathered with him there in that cave. You see, there was a deep sense of need that drove them to David. There was something in them that that caused them to align themselves with David. And they turned their backs on the court of Saul. And when I'm talking about Saul, I'm talking about an old religious order. Uh, They turned their back on that old religious system of their day. Because you see... That old religious system had no compassion for them, did not make a place for them. Uh, There was no heart for the potential that was on the inside of them. This is why it's so exciting to be part of an apostolic uh, church and an apostolic thing that God's doing in a city. Because true apostles will not let you sit on your church chair and spend your life there for the next 40 years, I promise you. There's something in an apostle that will find the, the potential on the inside of you. Some of you know our head intercessor, Falma. Now, Falma is an awesome, awesome woman of God. Uh, she's African-American. We tell people we're joined at the hip. I mean, that's just the way we are. Now, when I met Falma, Falma was uh, a sweet lady. She was a nice lady in a nice church praying nice prayers. And I can't stand that. There's something in me that can't stand it. And so I grabbed Falma and brought her along and began to work with her. And some of you have heard her. And we were in a meeting one time in another state. She had just shown up there. And I pulled her up there and I said, Falma, let me tell you what I'm getting ready to do. I said, I'm going to prophesy over some people. And when I finish prophesying, you're going to sing the song of the Lord over them. Her eyes got as big as saucers. And uh, she almost fainted right there on the spot. She had never done that one time in her life. Never, ever. That thought had never entered her mind. But I want you to know I didn't give her any choice. Now, I'm a person of great discernment. So I discerned she was a little anxious over this. And so I got right up into Falma's ear and I said to her, Now, Falma, this is going to stretch you, but it'll be good for you. And so I started prophesying over the people. Falma opened her mouth. 
Out came some of the most beautiful songs you've ever heard. The man on the keyboard is playing along with us. He told us later he thought we did that all the time. He had no clue it was the first time. Today, Falma has her own ministry. She still is our head intercessor. She works in our office, but she also has her ministry called Pray His Song. And she is an awesome, mighty woman of God. She had sat in a church all her life. I mean, Falma was in her 50s when this happened. Been in church her entire life. Loved God with her whole heart. Totally sold out to the Lord. And had sat on a chair. And all she had ever done, other than just praying nice prayers, was to warm a church chair or a church pew. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? This apostolic thing. It's not about titles. It's not about business cards. It's not about somebody thinking they're better than somebody else. I'm here to tell you tonight, it's about your destiny. It's about God having someone that loves you so much that they refuse to let you be normal, whatever that is. Somebody that loves you enough to see that God put greatness on the inside of you and will not allow you to sit there year after year after year with greatness locked up on the inside of you when they have the keys to begin to unlock everything in you that's been locked up and to pull it out so that the kingdom of God can advance in this area. I don't know about you, but I like that. But you see, that old religious system had no heart for the potential that was residing in those 400. Why were they discontent? Because they knew God had something more for them than what they were experiencing. And so this cave of Adullam then became a place of promotion. I want to say to you tonight, There's some of you that have been in this place during this last season, but it's going to be your place of promotion. Because right in the midst of all of that, God's doing something on the inside of you. And the greatness that's on the inside of you is getting ready to be unlocked so that you can move forward into the destiny God has for you. I I won't read the scripture, but uh, 1 Samuel 22, 2 tells us about that group of people. And so here was a group of people who went into that cave. They were the rejects. They were the outcasts. Uh, They were the ones no other church in town wanted. Hello? Some of you are saying, that's me. That's me. But I want us to see, even though they went in that way, they came out as a mighty army. And what God has been doing during this time is preparing you as His army. It is a time when He is assembling His army. And many of you have been called to be generals in God's army. But you've been in that hidden place. You've had the prophetic words over you. Uh, Ever so often you pull them out and read them and say, Well, I don't know, was that a false prophet, a false prophecy? There's a difference between the two. What was that all about? But you see, it's because God has been preparing you to become His generals. And you've been in that hidden place. You've been in that dark place. You've been sort of confused about this whole thing. But God is ready to bring you forth and to launch you into a new place in this hour. 
And 1 Samuel 22, 4, it says, And he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the while David was in the hold. Oh my, David was on hold. You say, that's who I am. That's where I am. I'm on hold for God. But you see, when God, when God releases you from the place where you're on hold, I want you to know there's going to be no stopping you. No stopping you and what God has for you. You see, when we're in this holding pattern. Now, I told you I spend a lot of time uh, on, on planes. I, I, I was telling them tonight, I just made two million miles with American Airlines and reached Executive Platinum in August for next year, you know, and that's just one airline. But uh, So I spend a lot of time in airplanes. And ever so often they have what they call a holding pattern. And, and so they have to hold that plane in place uh, because for various reasons they can't land, whether there's not enough space on the runway or the weather's not right or something. Well, some of you have sort of been in a holding pattern. You've been in this holding pattern. Well, while we're in that place, you see, we can either become better or we can become bitter. We have a choice on what we're going to do. We can become victims or we can be victors. We can say, well, I'm just a victim. All this has happened to me. Or we can choose to be victors in the midst of it. We can choose destiny or we can choose destruction. It's really a choice that you and I make. Some will turn back in times of difficulty. Have you noticed that? When, when things get difficult, there are those that say, I don't think this is for me, and they will turn back in the day of difficulty. But I want us to see that David was one who forgot his own needs and he met the needs of others in their time of need. In, in our darkest hour, in the time that so difficult for us. I believe that one of the ways God leads us through is we look to the needs of others. And we began to reach out to them. And in the giving out to others, God somehow brings us through and brings us out of our own situation. Just real quickly, let me say, David received a second anointing. You see, he went through that first anointing where there was the... the the seed of destiny put in him. And also we see that, uh, that, that that seed of destiny came to a place of death. But he received the second anointing at a place called Judah. He learned what it was to praise his way out of captivity. Uh, because that word Judah means praise. And sometimes when we're in those hard places, the way that we come out is we learn how to praise our way out. You say, but I don't feel like praising. Honey, it has nothing to do with feelings. How do, many of you know, sometimes we just do what we know we need to do. And so whether we feel like it or not, we learn what it is to praise our way through victory. That's what happened to Paul and Silas. When they were locked up in that jail, if you remember, it was praise that caused the prison doors to open so that they could come out. And so praise is going to be a key to victory this year. Some of the psalms that David wrote uh, were during that time that he was in the cave. And he stayed in Adullam for seven years, which means completion. How many of you know this is a year of seven? And this is a year God is saying, we're going to complete some things. 
We're going to complete some places of captivity. We're going to complete some places that have tried to hold us locked up so that we can break forth into the new that the Lord has for us. So here was David that went in with 400 uh, straggly people and came out with an army of 340,000 people. You see, when that seed in you dies... How many of you know that in resurrection, it brings forth much fruit? And God's going to resurrect some dreams and visions that he has put in you. Where the enemy tried to come in this last season and say the vision that God gave you has no way to live. You've missed it, you've blown it, whatever. I want to say to you that this is an hour that there's the, God's going to cause the vision and the dream that he's put within you to resurrect in a new way. Uh, because here was David. He was on his way to his destiny. But how many of you know, even with that second anointing, even as he praised his way through victory, he still had not reached his destiny. And so real quickly, let me say, the third anointing came at a place called Hebron. And it's so important that we understand this. Uh, a, a place where there's the resurrection of the seed of destiny. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, in verse 3, it said, So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them before the Lord at Hebron, and they anointed David king over Israel. He finally came to that place of reaching his destiny. And I want us to see that this word Hebron is a word that means place of alliance. Place of alliance. I believe if we're going to see the kingdom of God advance, God's going to have a people that come to a place, a place called Hebron, a place where there is an alliance. It's a place where there are going to be some making of commitments and entering relationships and cutting of covenants. God's going to have a covenant people in this hour that are going to understand He has joined their hearts and lives together for kingdom purposes. We're going to learn to forgive. We're not going to walk in bitterness and not allow a root of bitterness to come into us. But as God shifts us into this new place, I want us to see that we maintain covenant relationship. See, many of you, God's given you covenant relationships. And even though God may bring you to a new place, a new promotion, whatever, new assignments He's giving you, we don't cut off our old covenant relationships because of that. And this is something that so many times we don't understand. My heart goes out to, uh, to churches that very often... Uh, the pastor raises up a people and they give their heart to that pastor. And then the next thing you know, uh, some headquarters comes and tells him he has to move to another state or whatever. And here are those people that are left there that had given their hearts to, to this man of God and then they're left uh, with no one, you know, or left with a stranger. And I believe that God in this hour is teaching us what it is that He can give us new assignments and He can give us new things to do, but we don't cut off our covenant relationships from the past in order to do that. You see, I'll just give you a, a quick example of that. Uh, some of you know Brother uh, Jim and Jean Hodges. 
Uh, they're awesome, awesome people. And I've been part of his network ever since it first started, helped build it, helped bring people in, do all of those things. Five years ago, the Lord told me uh, in many different ways that I was to start an apostolic network. But you see, I didn't cut off the old covenant relationship in order to do that. I'm still part of his board. I'm still faithful. I still pour my finances in. I'm still loyal. We just spent a week of vacation together. You see, even though I have this assignment that God has given me, I didn't have to break a covenant relationship in order to do it. And God is trying to help a people in this hour to understand that He can promote us and He can shift us and He can give us assignments. But we don't break covenant relationships in order to do that. Because our destiny is going to include those that God has intertwined into our lives. And Hebron then, when we get to that third anointing of Hebron, I want us to see it deals not so much with our relationship with God as it does our relationship with others who are to be part of our destiny. And this is the place of alliance. This is uh, the horizontal relationship that we must have in our life. I've heard people through the years say, well, I don't have a problem with God. It's people I have a problem with. Anybody ever hear that? They probably don't say that here, but some places they say that. But I want us to see that if we're going to ever come into our destiny, God's going to have people that he has put our lives together. And so we see then David was anointed for breakthrough. Because you see, destiny has a time for fulfillment. And I want to say your destiny that God has for you has a time for fulfillment. And therefore, we must have the courage to embrace the destiny that God has. Sometimes it seems so big that we just keep putting it off and waiting for somebody else or someone else to do that. Uh, But we must be willing to tread the ground that God has given us and take back what the enemy has stolen. Because you see, you and I are coming into a place where in this new season, there's going to be new enemies that we war with. We fought the lion, the bear, we've defeated Goliath, but I want us to see then that God is bringing us to a place of breakthrough. Uh, and um, uh, In 2 Samuel chapter 5, I'm not going to read it, but if you go back there and read verses 19 and 20, it, we see then where uh, David comes to a place, and uh, it's a place called Baal Perazim. And we see then that uh, in that place, that the Lord caused the breakthrough. David said it was like the breakthrough of waters. And he called that place Baal Perazim, which means God of the breakthrough. How many of you know we serve the God of the breakthrough and that God is bringing his people in this hour to such a place of breakthrough so that you and I are going to find ourselves in new places in this next season that we are entering into. I don't know about you, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the days ahead that the Lord has for us, that we are not where we were in this old season. Some of you have been through some difficult places. You fought some battles you never thought you would fight. And look at you tonight. You're stronger than you've ever been. You're you're not dead, you're not defeated, but you're going on 
into all that the Lord has for you. So I want us to see then, God's bringing us into a new place and we're going to see the God of the breakthrough come into this region. I believe that he's been positioning us. I believe he's been preparing us. And now we stand at the brink of a mighty breakthrough. How many of you are ready for a breakthrough? Ready for God to do what he wants to do in your life. You ready for that tonight? I want you to lift your hands before the Lord. Father, tonight in the precious and powerful and mighty name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you. You are God of the breakthrough. And I thank you, Lord, for these that are here tonight. Lord, thank you that you brought us through dark places and hard places, oh God, and you did not abandon us. But God, somehow in the midst of that, you strengthened us for the days that we are in. Lord, that somehow you brought us through with greater courage. Lord, we say uh, fears that we had back there. Somehow, oh God, in the midst of the battle, you just defeated all of those fears. And Lord, now we can stand in courage, oh God, and say God has not left us and he has not abandoned us. Lord, I want to thank you right now that the seed of destiny that was in our lives so long ago, God, when it seemed like it it had just died, when it seemed like there was no way, God, somehow, now that seed is resurrecting and coming forth to bear much fruit, O God. Lord, we want to thank you right now for your your anointing that is in this place. And I thank you there is such a fresh anointing you're about to pour out on the people in this region, O God. Lord, we say that your kingdom is going to advance and that you're raising up a mighty army in this hour. Lord, you're raising up mighty uh, warriors, O God. They fought the lion and the bear. They've even stood in the face of Goliath. And there's something on the inside of them tonight that cries out, is there not a cause? And God, we say they're rising up for the cause of the kingdom of God, Lord, to go forth. Lord, we want to thank you right now that you pour out on us such a powerful anointing, O God, that you pour out on us strength and courage, O God. Lord, I call for the vision of God to arise in each one here. Lord, I say the destiny, the seed that you put in them so long ago, we say we call it forth now, and we say rise up. We say we dare to dream again. We dare to dream the dream of God again. We say, Lord, we're stronger and smarter than we were back there, O God. Lord, we want to thank you, O God, that when there seemed to be no way, somehow you made a way for us. So God, tonight, we say we praise our way right on into the new season, O God. Because, Lord, you are a good God and you have not abandoned us. But, Lord, you have raised us up for such a time as this. And Lord, I thank you now for what you're doing. And thank you for these, your people, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Is this your wife? All right. Is it all right if I pray for the two of you? Father, I want to thank you for this uh, wonderful couple, Lord. And I thank you for your hand that is upon them. Thank you, O oh God, for your goodness to them. And Lord, uh, I say they're not quitters. 
Uh, and, and, and I just see that on the inside of you. That the Lord said there's something in the two of you. You just don't quit. You just don't stop. Uh, th- th- there's something in you that said we're going to finish this thing that God has given us to do. And I'm telling you, God has put that finishing anointing on you. The Lord just so shows me that your people that have such compassion on the inside of you. And it's that compassion, the Lord said, that's going to release such a healing ministry in this hour. And the Lord says that healing is going to be your portion. For the Lord said the two of you know what it is. Uh, when, When you've given your heart and you've given everything you have to have those that would turn from you and leave you. But God said you learned how to draw from the balm of Gilead. You learned how to draw healing from uh, the source of healing himself. And God says, son and daughter, know that this is an hour. That I am releasing a healing anointing upon you. And God said, you're going to see the signs and the wonders that your heart has so desired. The Lord said, this is a new season. I'm going to connect you, says the Lord, with... uh, Uh, and, and, And I don't understand this, but I just see the Lord saying there's some new connections God's going to put in your life. And as God does that, it's going to cause you to rise up to a new place. The Lord said, I'm going to have those that will lift up your arms in the day of battle. I'm going to have those that will not run from you, but they're going to run to you. So God just says to the two of you, get ready. For I say I'm going to release an anointing for healing, says God. And you watch and see this that I'm going to do in this hour. For God said this is a new season. Shake the dust off your feet from the old season and step into the new that I have for you. Hallelujah. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Don't know anything about them. I just know what God said. They're awesome people. Awesome people. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want to pray over over you. The, well, both of you tonight. I. I